This is Influencing Insider, the weekly webinar that interviews Australia and New Zealand's best journalists about how they like to work with communications professionals. To view our complete library of episodes and register for the live shows, head to influencing.com forward slash insider. Hi and welcome to Insider. I'm Mike, your host, Mike Woodcock. Today's guest is Matt Sainsbury, publisher and editor of Digitally Downloaded. Matt is here to tell us about his audience, his editorial focus, and how to best stay in touch with Matt and his team. Uh, welcome, Matt. Hello, welcome, and thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Um, we generally take questions from the audience. They'll pop up on the right-hand side, but don't worry too much about that. We'll, we'll try and field them as they come through. Um, for you and, and moderate anything unusual. Um, and of course, anyone watching, please uh, feel free to jump in and ask some questions of Matt. Um, Matt, before we get started, can I just get an idea of, of, of your role there and what that entails? Yeah, so i the founder of digitallydownloaded.net. I started it uh, about 12 years ago at this point, and um, I have my hands in everything, as I guess you do as a independent uh, publisher. I, I do a lot of the writing. I manage the publication of the, the magazine that we do each month, the podcast, the YouTube channel, and all the rest of it. So I'm pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work involved in, in publishing. Um, and that's without uh, stocking all the content online as well. Uh, could you talk briefly about the audience that you're trying to reach with digitally downloaded and, and, the, and the spaces that you cover? Yeah, so I mean, we always wanted to be something different to, to the other gaming publications. We saw no value in trying to be a me too as such. So right from the start, we wanted to differentiate ourselves. And the way that we have, I guess, is by focusing on largely uh, video games that come out of Japan and then also the independent gaming scene as well. But in more recent times, we've kind of expanded beyond that as well to kind of look at all all things to do with digital media and uh, the the arts as a, as a general thing. So. For example, the top story on the website at the moment is actually an article that I wrote about um, a, a Netflix for theatre as such, a subscription service for, for watching digital theatre. So that kind of gives you an idea of where our audience is at. They're, they're very different. Gaming is a big part of what they do, obviously, and that's generally how they end up at Digitally Downloaded, but they're more interested in the broader arts and um, where gaming kind of fits into that. A lot of gaming these days is, is just beautiful when you look at it. You can see that there's a lot of art at the back end, especially in the design and development. So you can see where there's that crossover um, for audience. And it's great that you guys have been quite dynamic in that respect, uh, responding to those changes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, games are also telling much more complex stories now, especially if you look beyond the blockbuster stuff. I mean, blockbuster stuff being what it is, it's it's the same whether it's Hollywood movies or... or um, Call of Duty or whatever in the video game space, but when you look at the more independent stuff and the more uh, the, the smaller projects that are done by teams of people that have particularly 
passionate ideas that they want to get out there. They're telling very complex things with stories and they're doing very, very interesting things with with the interactivity that's available to them through video games. So it is very much a still an emerging art form. It's only been around, what, 50 years at this stage. So it is still very new, but it is mm. rapidly developing and it, it is a very interesting space to be working in. You, you've mentioned independent media, uh, independent um, gaming outlets, and, and that's something I did want to touch on. It's something that we've heard um, in the past, the idea that Australia's got a fairly robust environment for that, but could use a little bit more support. Um, where do you see the state of Australian um, gaming publishing houses? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of us are small. <laughs> a lot of us are, are not that different to digitally downloaded uh, in that there's only a small a couple of people working on them. Um, e even the, the big guys in Australia, like IGN and GameSpot, or was GameSpot, I guess, IGN these days, um, there, there's not that many people working locally. And then you look at some of the other guys out there, like... Um, uh, press press start and and survivor and all of that they're they're all very kind of small publications that are just a few people that have a particular passion for video games and want to get the the word out there so that that's really where the games media is at it is it is good in that we have a lot of people that are very passionate about games writing about games and the the, the diversity within the media is excellent but we we typically are quite small compared to some of the larger publications overseas okay um, just looking at your your broader your broader uh, areas of interest now, um, mm. as you said, they've, they've sort of evolved and highlighted a little bit. How are you sourcing your stories um, out, outside that more traditional space we've you've covered? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of research and work on my part, really, <laughs> to, to to do it all. Um, for example, the the magazine that we do each month, there will be only one or two stories in there that that are video game orientated. The rest really come from. Uh, looking at Japanese film, cinema, literature, music, whatever. Uh, and those stories generally come to me by people that are pitching to me to to get their work published. Uh, the stories I write myself are just from personal experience, from having traveled through Japan a lot. Uh, and yeah, that, that's really where it all comes from. I don't get a lot of kind of uh, PR activity around that. Most of the PR pitches I get that come from from people in, in the games. I, I don't think I've kind of tapped into the, the broader arts PR as, as such as yet. So that is something that you would you would be open to receiving more pictures in that sort of space, what we might call lifestyle arts? Yeah, I think, I mean, it works. Like I said, the, the top story on the website at the moment was one of the few emails I do get from the, the local PRs about the, the broader arts, and that was the, the Australian um, theatre uh, Netflix kind of subscription service. Uh, and... It obviously works because it's trafficking very well on the website. So if if you you know any of the PRs out there that are listening do have uh, arts organisations uh, on their books, they should definitely reach out to me. How should they reach out to you in the, in that first instance? Do you prefer an email or a phone call, or, or what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, definitely email. Uh, I, I live online. <laughs> I never get to log off anymore. Uh, so yeah, I, email is the thing that I, I'm checking constantly throughout the day um you you can call me but uh, i if if it's a number i don't know being a journalist I, I do get a lot of crappy calls from spam companies and whatever so i, I tend to not answer unless i know who the person is so e email's the safest way to reach me in the first instance if if it's particularly interesting and i need to follow up quickly then i will put a call back but um yeah otherwise i i just look at the emails as they come through what's the best email address to 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 reach you, reach you on Yep, uh, Matt S with two T's, Matt S at digitallydownloaded.net, which is a bit of a mouthful, but um, 
it takes a while for me to write it out each time I need to. But yeah, that's that's the best thing to get me on. That's okay. We've put that up there so that anyone can um, can uh, get it over to you um, and without um, saying it, it's not not enough or they can just cut and paste it. Um, yeah. to, uh, assuming that you, you do get a few pictures either from gaming and, and hopefully um, increasingly from, from that lifestyle space, mm. what, what makes a good pitch? What's going to make something stand out for you? Yeah, I think the thing that's really important um, is, and I would imagine that most of the other editors of other gaming publications would say the same thing, it's really important that the PR actually takes the time to, to understand the website and understand the kind of coverage that we provide and um, make sure that the pitch, as far as possible, is tailored to to the website. So, for example, like I said, we don't really cover much to do with the big blockbuster stuff. And I've written all of one story, I think, in my entire life about Fortnite. So pitching me Fortnite just doesn't suit the website. And it would take a short uh, look at what we do to realize that. So it's really important to understand what is of interest to us. Not every gaming publication is the same. We all have our own unique kind of interests and focus points. Um, so it, doing that will help you to, firstly, it, it leaves a good impression. It makes me think that, you know, you're actually interested in uh, having me cover your your uh, clients. And then secondly, it just makes it much easier for me to understand the value of, of doing so on, on, the, on the website. Um, in terms of attachments, photos, videos, is that something you prefer? Is that something you prefer to capture yourself or, or where do you sit with that? Oh, it's always good to send everything that you've got in the email. The, the worst that can happen is I don't use it. <laughs> um, but it's easier for me to have it there and and have access to it if I decide to use it rather than have to go and chase you if not. Because a lot of the time, I, won't, I might not look at a press release until 9 p.m., 10 p.m. at night. And I know that you're not around at that point. And if I don't have the material I need in that email, then I'm just going to have to skip on, on, on covering it at that point. So... Uh, yeah, having having all the material there up front is, is good. Okay, what sort of uh, what sort of deadlines and timeframes do you work to? I, I imagine that the magazine works to a different rhythm to the website. Uh, yep. So the magazine's published monthly, uh, generally the second last weekend of the month. Uh, but being that I'm the publisher and I can make these decisions for myself, mm -hmm. uh, I, I can be flexible with that. Generally speaking, if you were to pitch something that you you thought would be of interest to the magazine i would want it at the start of the month that gives me enough lead time to work on it uh for the website the website works 24 7 really so um i don't tend to publish on weekends unless there's something really big and breaking but just uh in terms of deadlines i just kind of work to to when i can find the time to to make the coverage what sort of time frame should we leave it before we before we do a follow-up and i'm assuming that follow-ups would be best done through email in the same way that the initial pitch comes through? Um, Follow-ups are fine, but I would suggest that you be absolutely confident that the the press release is of interest before you follow up. I mean, if you're not sure about it and I don't cover it, then just assume that it, it's not going to be for me. Um, if you're 100% convinced that it is exactly right for digitally downloaded, then please feel free to, to call or email me. Um, but... I find that a lot of the time the follow-ups come from from people that are kind of, um, I guess, pressured to get the links in, and uh, it's coverage that really isn't of interest to me. And that at that point, it's really kind of wasting my time, even if it was through email, just to to read through the follow-up. So that does tend to frustrate me. I am incredibly time poor, like mm -hmm. most uh, independent publishers, and it's really important that the PR kind of respects that if I don't cover something, 
chances are that's it's simply not of interest. Yeah, that's fair. Um, what sort of what sort of areas you're interested in at the moment? What would be, you know, if you got an email pitch this afternoon, what would be spot on? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, there, there's a lot of games coming out at the moment. It's it's crazy. This is the the, the busiest part of the year in terms of the, the game releases. So my head's kind of stuck in getting the, the coverage together for all of that. Um, generally speaking, what I, I like to get in terms of pitches is, is stuff that will be unique to digitally downloaded and some, something that I can put a twist on it that makes it appropriate for my audience or makes it, allows me to continue to differentiate DDNet as, as an different kind of publication and what i mean by that is uh, interviews do really well for me if you can get uh, you know interview opportunity with the client uh then that's going to be much more likely to catch my attention if that gives me a chance to to come up with some different questions because generally my interviews do run in a different direction to what a lot of other gaming publications would do and so that kind of thing is what will always catch my attention doesn't really matter how busy i am i'll find time for that if it is unique and interesting and gives me a chance to to do something different okay thank you um are there any particular topic areas that are absolutely tip top that you're hoping to write about yeah um it, it is quite broad uh, I, I do think that if if you try and limit yourself to particular topics at any point in time then you miss opportunities to create interesting coverage and and to to give people things to think about so I don't have beyond the very, very broad, if it's a Japanese game, it's probably going to be of interest. If it is an independent game, it's probably going to be of interest. If it is of kind of um, the kind of the broader arts um, and, and the way that it intersects with digital media, then it's probably going to be of interest. Um, okay. So I, I don't limit myself beyond that. I do try and keep a very open mind about what I cover. Um, because like I said, otherwise you end up missing opportunities as a journalist and I've never been a fan of doing that. No, that that makes sense to me. Um, I, I, I just, I, the reason that I, I followed up with that question was I I, I follow quite a few uh, artists and d digital artists are starting to become a lot more, I suppose, visible um, on the landscape. And there's a couple in, in particular that I'm thinking of that are being quite active with branching over in nfts and things like that and just and just is that is that hot for you at the moment is that a space that you would cover or, or not so much i mean i guess anybody that follows me on on twitter and <laughs> as um irritating as i can be on twitter it's probably a good idea for prs to do so um i do have an inherent uh, i guess um critical eye towards a lot of this tech stuff I, i'm not a mm. fan of nfts i'm not a fan of crypto um, which isn't really relevant to DDNet, but NFTs are. I'm very, very much critical of AI art, which is the kind of the new thing that's really emerging that everybody's talking about. And uh, I, I do have an inherent level of, of um, criticism about these things because I do feel like a lot of the time in the in the tech industry, especially, we just adopt these ideas as though they're somehow uh, great simply because they're new or because they're innovative. Mm. And in a lot of cases that can actually be harmful to the arts nft is fundamentally harmful to the arts is my opinion and so is ai kind of generated art images so i feel like it's important for me as a journalist to also have that um investigative and, and critical position so if you're going to pitch an nft to me and you catch my attention you can probably assume that it's going to be a critical piece that i write okay no thank you for thank you for elaborating on that 
Um, and again, I've got to get to this question that I ask everyone. Um, is What's a piece that you've worked on um, any time in the last 12 years that, that you're especially proud of? What What's something that you oh, gosh. I really <laughs> enjoyed or I'm proud of the fact that I worked on this or covered <laughs> or touched on this? I mean, apart from, of course, the, the outlet itself, because publishing is hard and it's a lot of grind um, and not everyone notices that. They just want the next issue. So... Um, obviously that would be a source of pride. Yeah, that is a really good one. Um, to be honest, I probably have to say uh, of all my career, the book that I wrote about seven or eight years ago, seven or eight years ago now, quite a while ago, the book that I wrote was probably the highlight. And it's not so much because I published a book and that's obviously a, a, a thing that a lot of journalists want to do. And I was certainly proud of just being able to do that. But mm-hmm. it was more what I did with that book that I was pretty particularly proud of it was a book of interviews it was a book of you know very kind of it, it was a deep dive into the artistry of video games as opposed to just talking about them as an entertainment product uh, I, I was able to talk to these creators about where they got their ideas from how they developed them and how they turned them into the, the video games that we play and being able to you know travel the world and, and build that book and, and create that book was a was definitely the highlight of my career today okay great thanks for sharing that um, I, I, I'm going to ask something a little unusual because, you know, you're you in the space that you cover. What's your top three video games? <laughs> um, I would have to say probably, I think Persona 4 was probably, uh, it would be one of them. Uh, I know people these days talk about Persona 5 being the newer one, but Persona 4 was kind <laughs> of a game that was fundamental for me in realizing that video games had more to them than just it being you know, entertainment products that there there was uh, an ability there for them to have literary merit and for them to to tell valuable stories and, and be quite artistic so that would be one of them um another one is uh, the hatsune miku series of video games so that's a bunch of them but pick any one of them that series set me off on a a long um path of research which really kind of wound up with me understanding the the link between the digital and the arts a lot better so they're silly rhythm games that are easy to overlook but the the quality of them what they inspired out of me was was pretty uh interesting and the third one good grief (laughs) Mm. um you know what? I have to probably say Pokemon Blue, <laughs> just because I, I get a bit nostalgic for video games. Sometimes I do like my retro games. Um, yeah. I still do a lot of writing about retro games, and I, I still be, believe that they have a lot of value. And I, I certainly remember playing Pokemon a lot as a kid, a lot, too much. Yeah, we've all we've all got those games that, <laughs> that we're quite fond of playing, um, especially in the tech journalism space. Um, and thank you so much for sharing sharing your top three. Appreciate that, um, Matt. Before we go, I'm aware that you've we've gone over time and that you've you've given us a lot of your time. Thank you so much today. Um, uh, if there was one thing that you wanted an audience of PRs and marketers to understand about digitally downloaded today, what would that be? Yeah, like I said a little bit earlier to to one of your questions, it's really about just understanding what we are and what we do. Uh, I, I do think that. Um, it can be, I guess, um, difficult to to sometimes realize that 
games press websites do run differently and we do have different areas of focus because ultimately we're writing about games and the easy assumption is that if they write about games every game release must be of interest or every tech product must be of interest mm. uh, and that's just simply not the case uh, we we do have our own special areas of interest and it's it, you'll get a lot more out of interacting with us at digitally downloaded if you take the time to understand the publication and kind of craft the pitch in a way that would um, would appeal because there are a lot of times that I don't realize that uh, a game would be of interest until after the fact as well um, because I do have to gloss over so many emails and so many press releases and so much stuff every day mm. I do miss stuff and in a lot of cases the reason I've missed it is because the the, the pitch to me has been quite uh, it's been a bit of a misfire it's kind of assumed that I'm an IGN or something so if you craft the pitch and show that you've taken the time to have a look at the website and kind of understand what we're about then chances are much better that you'll get coverage out of us. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, thank you again for your time today, uh, Matt Sainsbury. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you on Friday night at the IT Journalism Awards. I will do my absolute best to be there. I've got the day free, so fingers crossed I don't get struck down by COVID or something in the meantime. Don't say, even say the word. <laughs> <laughs> Hope to see you Friday. Thanks, Thanks very again. much. Bye. Bye now. Thanks for joining us on Insiders today. That was Matt Sainsbury from Digitally, Digitally Downloaded. We'll be back next Wednesday speaking with Velvet Bell Templeman, lead journalist at Digital Nation Australia. I hope to see you there. Bye for now.